the suck zone. It's the point, basically, at which the twister sucks you up. You know, it's not that technical term for it, obviously. Hi there, and welcome to Baseball by Design. I am SportsLogos.net minor league baseball correspondent Paul Caputo, broadcasting live, as always, from the Sunday Helmet Hall of Fame in my basement in Fort Collins, Colorado. Later on in this episode, you're going to hear from Marty Cordaro, who is the president of the Omaha Storm Chasers, and you're going to hear from Nicholas Batters, who is the Omaha Storm Chasers' new play-by-play broadcaster. And while I said that I'm broadcasting live from the Sunday Helmet Hall of Fame in my basement in Fort Collins, Colorado, you're also going to hear me broadcasting live from a couple of other places. I'll be broadcasting with Ed Rivera, host of the Dad Hat Chronicles, live from Interstate 80 in western Nebraska on our way to an Omaha Storm Chasers game. And then the next day, broadcasting live from Kauffman Stadium with Eric Prophet, who is the host of the Earned Fun Average podcast. And of course, at the end of the episode, Dan Simon will be back with a Studio Simon Stumper. Right now... Let's head out to the highway. Hi there, and welcome to Baseball by Design. I am SportsLogos.net Minor League Baseball correspondent Paul Caputo, broadcasting live from I-80 in western Nebraska, en route to the Omaha Storm Chasers. Talking today on this episode about the Omaha Storm Chasers, I am with, in the passenger seat, riding shotgun, Ed Rivera of the Dad Hat Chronicles, who is with me on this road trip adventure. Ed, we're on our way to see the Storm Chasers. We are certainly we are going to go see some meows. Fantastic. This is we're going to take me out to the ball game night <laughs> at the Omaha Storm Chasers. By the way, we, I'm allergic to cats. You're allergic to cats, and I'm allergic to teams using a joke that I thought that I had actually thought up originally. And yeah. learned later that they beat me to the punch on this. So they sure I, did. I would love to claim that the Omaha Storm Chasers stole this joke from me, but I think we arrived at it independently. So anyhow, we're on our way. And normally on Baseball by Design, I will talk about. Uh, I'll talk to the team first. I'll talk with to someone with the fr- uh, in the front office first. But since we're en route, let's do this chronologically, right? Let's talk. I you think and me. that's a great idea. We're going to talk about the Omaha Storm Chasers brand. We are in. The, uh, we're, well, we're in western Nebraska right now. We're driving east on our way to Omaha. And I would say that the sky could be described as ominous. Yeah, great word. I was literally thinking the same word. All right, all right. I think we're going to be fine weather-wise for the game. We are. But certainly, you can see how in a place like this where we are driving right now, that the, the notion of, of tornadoes and, and, you know, that... that iconic midwestern weather is you know you can see how that would be terrifying out here in this wide open big sky country that we're in right now agreed yeah so the team is called the storm chasers they were the omaha royals for one or for like three ill-fated seasons they were the golden spikes uh which was a reference to the transcontinental railroad and the actual golden spike that joined the two sides of the railroad but that happened in Utah, and people didn't know why the, the team here, except for the fact that the Transcontinental Railroad goes through Omaha, why they would be called the Golden Spikes. <laughs> so that was ill-fated, short-lived. Now they're the Storm Chasers. This has been a well-received brand. What? Tell me what? Tell me what you think about this uh, this this brand that we're going to be witnessing all evening. I am a fan of the Storm Chasers brand. I think it's great. Um, I love it. You know, with the bat as a nose is awesome. The yeah. baseball being deconstructed in a in a in a twister like motion. Yeah, it's it's great. I know. I think it, they they really did hit it out of the ballpark. Pun intended. Yeah, yeah. Not the first time that pun's been used on oh. this podcast. The uh, the main brand is an anthropomorphic tornado. Yep. Uh, you know, and it's got it's got a bat, and it's got you know, well, it's you know, it's personified. It's anthropomorphized. Yep. Tell me what are some of the uh, you know some of the other brands that they have. Which are the ones that you like? Which are the ones you don't? The one I like, uh, I'm a fan of, is their Copa. Okay. Obviously, you know, we, you and me have have had you know numerous conversations about the Copa brand overall. Yeah. Um, and this one, the Casadores, um, 
which is the little Spanish translation of Storm Chasers or Cazadores, uh, is it's great. I love it. You know, I've not been able to get a dad hat in this um, Copa brand, so hopefully when we're there, I get to buy it. Sorry, honey, I love you. Um, <laughs> Darla forgives you for buying another hat. Right, exactly. You know, at this point, she's you know, what are you gonna do? Absolutely. I, I know that they have ice cream and helmets at, at the Storm Chasers. So I'll I'm be look, getting one of those as well. I'm looking forward to, to getting that. So that'll be an event. We're on our way, speaking of events, we're on our way uh, to the fifth anniversary party for Jim Christopher and his Let's Get, Let's to. Get to the Show. So this is this is a fun thing. And this is we're part of a sort of a, a, a cool community here of people who are content creators in the minor league baseball realm. This is, uh, you know, this this ballpark, this team has been the subject of a documentary. You know, it's there's a lot going on with this team to, to speak of here. So it's a it's sort of a destination for us minor league baseball wise. I saw the documentary, yeah. And ever since days, I've always wanted to come and see this ballpark. This is my first time coming to this ballpark. I've never been here, never been in Nebraska. First time in Nebraska, so I'll check off the list of the states that I've been to now. Um, very flat. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> very excited to see it, right? And the fact that, like, you know, we get to go and celebrate, you know, the let's get to five years with Jim and all that. That's 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 cool, right? To have been able to be invited to this, is, it's, uh, you know, I feel honored, right? You know, just to be able to do this. So I, I think that the fact that we get together as content creators, share ideas and, and content and things like that, I think it's, it's, it's awesome. Let me ask you this about this team sort of in general. When you think about teams sports logos that are based on weather events yep. like natural disasters right like you've got the rancho cucamonga quakes yep. you've got the colorado avalanche yep. uh, the carolina hurricanes from your uh, your neck of the woods yep. there do you find like the, you feel like there's a risk there in naming your team for something and then what if there's like some huge natural disaster? Like what if a hurricane came through North Carolina and, Which and it has happened a, a ton of, the, you know, a lot of times, right? Like, so yeah, you could have this like natural disaster and then you've got a sports team named for it. What's, you know, what's, do you have any worries I, about that? I do not worry about things like that. I actually, okay. in fact, I'm, I am happy that they are using, you know, things like that, right? Natural, natural events because Let's be honest. A lot of people are running out of like food items to uh, put on a on a logo. So, using a natural event, I think it's it's a great idea. It's a fun idea. Embrace it, right? That we just because it has a negative connotation to it does not mean that you know we can turn it into a positive and being able to use it, you know, in a way that can be fun and, and exciting for everybody. Okay. Do you think they'll have runzas at the game tonight? I was just thinking the same thing. I hope they do, so I can try it. I want to have a runza. We, we may have to. To, to start the recording back up and, and check in with the gang if we're eating runzas tonight. Check in back so. and do it. Trying the runza. <laughs> Trying the runza. <laughs> and I can't, it's, it's, a, it's a kind of sandwich that I think has something to do with Germany and possibly sauerkraut. Which um, I'm okay with. Yeah, absolutely. No, it sounds delicious. So sauerkraut we'll have to, on a hot we'll dog is also a great thing. All right. Ed Rivera, we are, we are on track to make it to the stadium, to the ballpark. 15 minutes before our scheduled tour. Yep. We had a little bit of a, an adventure with time zone calculations and getting out the door in Fort Collins, Colorado. A time zone that does not exist. A, yeah, the, the fake, uh, not real mountain time zone, <laughs> a.k.a. Pacific Plus One. There you uh, go. Yeah, so we're... Pacific Plus One, that's a great name for we, it. We've recovered enough so that we're going to make it with about 15 minutes to spare, knocking on steering wheel or wood here. Ed, it's a thrill to be on a road trip As with always. you. Let's do this uh, again, huh? Stay tuned for the rest of this episode here about the Omaha Storm Chasers. All right, everyone, welcome back. I'm so pleased to be joined by Marty Cordaro, who is the president of the Omaha Storm Chasers. Marty, you and I have corresponded for a long time uh, through Twitter, through email. Uh, we finally got to meet in person at a ball game for the the season five uh, party that uh, James Christopher and Let's Get Two had. It was a pleasure to finally meet you. Thank you for coming on the podcast to talk about the Storm Chasers. Well, I'm glad to be here and appreciate what uh, what Jimmy and you guys do to to promote minor league baseball. And uh, it ended up being a great night on taking me out to the ball game. And um, <laughs> no, it was a good night. Good night at the park. So you jumped right into take me out to the ball game. 
Uh, this is a joke I actually thought I had come up with on my own. I was I was not putting the T on the end of meow. I was just calling it take meow to the ball game. And then someone tagged me in your post when you because you guys have been doing this for a, a few years. Mm -hmm. I thought I was the cleverest person in the world coming up with that on my own. And it turns out you guys were already doing it. So I was a little I was a little sad about that. But then yeah, we, this was our third year doing it, Paul. Yeah. And uh, I believe there was a club um, uh, that did something back in 2011. I don't know if they called it take me out or not. But uh, no, look, it's a good night. You know, it's it's a lot of it is in. A lot of it is in marketing and 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 in talk and promotion. Uh, you know, it hasn't caught on quite yet, like bark <laughs> in the park and bring your dog, just simply because you don't think of putting a cat on a leash, I guess. Right. Uh, right. But it's a fun night. We had around fifty cats, and you know, it's 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 definitely something that is is has grown each of the first three years. Well, I like. I don't. I don't believe in the uh, in the dichotomy that you have to be a dog person or a cat person. I just like animals in general. So I was glad to see a bunch of cats there. I got to pet a few of them. So it was it was fun for me. Uh, I love dogs. I love cats. And so, you know, any any baseball game involving animals was was a total kick. That's that's fantastic. Fantastic. Um, this was my second time to uh, the Storm Chasers to, to Werner Field there. Uh, the first time I was there was 20. I want to say 2015 for the AAA All-Star Game. That's correct. And, yeah. Yeah, so that was a great time. The AAA it was a beautiful setting for for the ball game, and it was nice to see the. Uh, there was a lot of national media there. Um, that was I got to meet Billy Ripken in the in the in the in the press box there, and so that was that was a great time. Beautiful setting for for a game. You're a bit outside of town. You're you're out there on the on the plains rather than you know right downtown in Omaha, in a place where you might see a bit of a twister. And so you all, you're called the Storm Chasers. You've been the Storm Chasers since 2011. Might seem obvious, but I'm going to ask you the question anyway. Where does the nickname Storm Chasers come from? Well, you know, we went through a name the team contest in 2009, 2010, and that was all on the heels of Brandios coming out and doing research, uh, having worked with them a number of times. That's kind of their, their MO. They come to market and they talk to ticket holders. They talk to community leaders. They talk to sponsors. And we quickly learned that Omaha needed to remain in the name, uh, mm -hmm. much like uh, the New York Mets and New York Yankees, or in the past, the New Orleans Zephyrs and then Baby Cakes. Dallas Cowboys have never played in Dallas. They've either been in Irving or now Arlington. And you can go down the list of names that, you know, Metro versus pro specific uh, uh, versus, you know, the specific area. So we quickly were told Omaha needs to remain in our name. But from a nickname perspective, we were told that we needed to go through a process um, of which to get ideas. So 2,500 unique names uh, were submitted by um, uh, community members or people throughout the country. And that was in 20, late 2009, early 2010. And then we matched those names up with the areas that when we asked people, when you're from the area or the region, what do you think of? And, you know, people think of agriculture, they think of uh, military because we have Offutt Air Force Base. They think of weather. They think of Warren Buffett. They think of a number of things. Warren so, Buffett. So, so when when we got those twenty five hundred unique names, we whittled them down to twenty five. We, we're baseball folks, so twenty five on a roster. We put them out for a vote, and then we picked the top. I mean, the fans picked the top nine, the nine finalists, nine people in a starting you know batting lineup. And then we put those out to vote and they whittled them down to three. So storm chasers fit in there like hailstorm was in there, like cattlemen was in there related to agriculture and so on and so forth. So that's where it came from. There's a lady named Sue Harold. She still remains a season ticket holder. She's from Lincoln. She was the one that actually, um, there were a number of names of storm chasers that was submitted so when that one, we ended up doing a random drawing. And so Sue Harold technically was the one that submitted the name and, and was picked as the namer of the team, if you will. Okay. And so what's a storm chaser? Uh, someone who chases and watches weather, watches storms, storm clouds or tornadoes or hailstorms or windstorms. You know, it could be a variety, but uh, you know, it was about the same time, Paul, also when the Discovery Channel had storm chasers on the rise. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, there's a, a number of storm chasers won't get into any names, but it, it wasn't not named after any of those. OK, OK. It was a full 15 years after the uh, Bill Paxton Helen Hunt vehicle twister, which was, you know, obviously a, a movie about storm chasers themselves. Do you get asked about that movie a lot? 
A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. You know, it's been more more in line with uh, the Storm Chasers show, uh, Reed Timmer and those guys, and they've act, they have visited the ballpark. And then uh, Mike Bettis from the Weather Channel was actually here the you know, opening year uh, on a night when it rained out. Quite fitting. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so, no, we, we not a lot. Haven't heard a lot about about Twister. OK. All right. Well, that was 1996. We've got the 30th anniversary of Twister coming up here in just a couple yeah. of seasons. It might yeah. be might be time to start thinking about it. Yeah. I would I would think so. I, I, I you know we did a tribute to Sharknado one year. So <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Is there a particular mark that that you find? Because I know there are some some different looking ones, right? Like uh, there is the the Twister himself. Does he have a name? I apologize. I feel like I should know this. The Twister with the bat coming through his uh, the, as the nose. That's Vortex. Yeah, that's Vortex. Vortex and then Stormy is our cuddly green mascot. And then Casey, the lion, he was our Omaha Royals mascot, and we kept him. That's then good. we also have Sue Nami. So Sue is the most recent. She's the most recent ad. Okay. Uh, so those are our four primary mascots. But with, I would say Stormy's actually probably our primary, even though okay. Vortex is our home home logo, home home hat logo. Right. The uh the the Storm Chasers logo that has the 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 O with the lightning bolt through it is a pretty different feel, right? Like it's a more sort of classic logo feel it is. rather than, yeah, the, yeah. than the, the, the This one right here, the yes. one you're wearing on your shirt right now, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that what in terms of uh, you know merchandise that you sell? Is there is there a particular mark that's more popular than others? Vortex, yeah, Vortex, Vortex. would be the it would be the more popular one, and then we also have an SC logo interlocking SC that's a that's somewhat classic, but it's with baseball stitching and and kind of looks like you know vortex um the, the vortex theme if you will mm-hmm. and then it, it also doubles for sarpy county that's the county we play in storm chasers yeah. sarpy county so there's a little there's a little play on that as well you've had some fun alternate brands over the years uh i had my very first runza at a runza establishment i guess it's a fast food place called it's called runza not runzas right it's called runza yeah. runza okay. the rest. that's correct I had never had. I'd ha- I actually had had a homemade Runza before, but I'd never had one at the uh, at at this establishment before. So uh, what I I know that you're not from the area originally. We talked about that before we started the interview. That you're originally from Louisiana. What's your feeling on on Runzas themselves, and uh, how did they become a an alternate identity for the team in 2018? Well, first off, I like Runzas. They're good. They're tasty. Uh, there's different. You can get them with cheese, without cheese, barbecue, not, you know, mushrooms. But I I, I like just the original I cheese every now and then. Their French fries or their frings are amazing. Uh, so, you know, but as far as Runza, it's it's like most other minor league clubs. We all have alternate monikers that, you know, talk about local. You know, I mentioned earlier Cattlemen. So we'll be doing a what if night, meaning what if we would have been the Omaha Cattlemen. Yeah. Uh, we've done what if night for Omaha Force, uh, Commanders, a number of uh, the Omahas, a number of our you know names that were in the final nine. We've done what if night. Right. Uh, but 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 yes, the last four or five years, uh, Omaha Runses has been probably our most popular moniker. Um, and, you know, we're playing as the sandwiches. That's kind of odd, but uh, it's cool. It's fun. We're undefeated as the Omaha Runzas. <laughs> and we, we, we end up raising quite a bit of money each year for the local food bank for the Heartland. Uh, Brian Barks and his, uh, uh, his, his, his group at the, the food bank do a great job. So it's a nice, nice three-way partnership with Runza. You had a, uh, there's a funny story about how you ended up playing as the Omaha Potholes. Yes. A, a few years back uh it, it wasn't well I'll, I'll let you tell the story how was it that uh that you ended up playing as the potholes well uh we do an april fool's joke every year and at the beginning of march our former social media and, and media coordinator andrew green who now works for the durham bulls andrew came to me one day and said hey here's we're going to be doing this for april fool's joke we're just getting ready in advance and i'm like it's clip art i'm like he was like yeah well, that's what we <laughs> wanted and I said, well, what, what's the joke? He said, we're going to say we're going to play as the Omaha Potholes on June 31st. And I'm like, sounds great. Didn't think much about it. April 1st happens, and we make the announcement on Twitter that we're going to play as the Omaha Potholes on June 31st in tribute to how bad the weather was that year. Our roads were very challenged with potholes everywhere. I mean, like tens of thousands of potholes. And um, within... 15, 20, 30 minutes, Darren Ravel picked it up and he retweeted saying, 
this is fantastic minor league baseball at its best you know this is this is fantastic the omaha storm chasers are playing the omaha potholes and we got him and everybody started piling on him saying <laughs> you're a moron there's only 30 days in june so on and so forth and i am not one that happens to believe that he is a moron he's done right. he's done he's done pretty well for himself i would say so he just happened to help us a lot yeah. two or three hundred impressions later it's going crazy we had to play as the omaha pothole so we assembled pretty quickly came up with a promotion that was about the theme and fun. It was about tickets and selling tickets to the game. And then thirdly was about community and how do we help raise some funds to do some good. Those funds ended up going to help. We had a bunch of, we had a lot of flooding that year in 2019. So those funds ended up going to help uh, three different communities and their youth softball and baseball fields. Uh, so between what we raised in merchandise sales and then the Detroit Tigers and Kansas City Royals actually played a regular season game uh, at, at, at that time, TD Ameritrade Park in downtown Omaha. They ended up each matching what we raised. So we ended up donating uh, $35,000, $36,000 into the community for these fields all over an April Fool's joke, which still also remains our largest night game in Warner Park history for an April night game outside of an opening night. It ended up being a great night. And then the probably the best part about that promotion, we honored uh, street and road workers. Very cool. And, and I had someone come up to me that night and he said, you know, I really appreciate um, being thanked for my efforts because, and I won't hold up my finger, but he showed me which finger they were always <laughs> normally told they were number one when oh, they boy. were doing road work. And he said, you know, we should pay tribute to our military and our first responders but we do important work as well. So there were 900 tickets that we put out to a number of municipalities uh, free and said, thank you for the road work they were doing because they were working around the clock. Sure. And it was it ended up being the perfect promotion because it hit on the three different tenants that we always talk about, promotion, ticket sales, and community. Uh, and even in the community, we did two different angles. You know, we thanked the road workers as well as doing some good with the youth fields from the flooding. So yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was a pretty, it was a pretty cool night. So maybe we'll bring it back in the future. Uh, we had plans in 2020 for the second version. Uh, it was episode two attack of the cones. And anyway, we ended up not having uh, a 2020 season. So it, it ended up getting, it ended up getting shelved. One of the things I particularly like about that brand is that you stuck with the clip art, you know, the, yeah. the, the April fool's clip art logo that, you know, that, that you all came up in with internally uh, is, you know, it's, it's, it's not quite up to, with all due respect to the, uh, to the staff people who came up with it, it's not quite up to the standards of some of your other uh, brandiose inspired designs here. So by, by design, by of design. course, of course. <laughs> so I was, I was saying, as we started here that I feel like, you know, I, I've known you probably longer than we actually have given that we didn't speak in person until, you know, we, we went to the, the, the game last month, but one of the reasons I feel like I, I know you already is that I, I watched and enjoyed the documentary 50 Summers uh, that was about the Storm Chasers. How has that affected the team? Is it still affecting the team? Because it's been a few years since that documentary about the Storm Chasers came out. Is that something that comes up a lot? Is it something that's impacted you all as a, as a team? Uh, yeah, I would say it was more impactful around our 50th season. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, It debuted in October of twenty. 2018 i lose track of the years uh, october of 2018 it debuted um and you know it just got recently picked up by paramount plus so there's still some legs out there uh, if there's if there are listeners out there that haven't seen it um you know you can i believe you can still see it on on netflix uh amazon prime and definitely paramount plus right now but you know there's there's a lot of references to it you know within the industry and what i like about it it was originally slated to be about our 50th season mm -hmm. and it ended up being about 50 seasons mm -hmm. as well as beyond just Omaha, but also the growth of minor league baseball uh, as it related to the business side of it, logos. Uh, and then it also talked a little bit about um, what minor league baseball was versus, you know, the college world series and two stadiums. You know, there were, there were a number of different uh, elements in it and uh, it, it heard at films they did a nice job. Dan Napoli and Bill Hipsher, they did a really nice job with it. And, uh, you know, we were flattered that they thought it was a story that needed to be told. And, 
you know, there were, there were some, there were some, there were some interesting things that I learned from it as well along the way. And um, it, it was, it was, it was good film. And Dan Napoli, the director was there at the game with us. He was in our suite. We got to meet him and, and speak to him about that documentary yeah. when we were at the ball game in Omaha. So that was, that was really, uh, that was really a, a treat as well. Yeah. Dan's a good guy. Uh, yeah. I enjoyed speaking with him uh, a ton. Um, the last question I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, I've, I've heard you on uh, other podcasts, other shows in particular, let's get to with James Christopher. This episode will drop in June. Uh, you've spoken about the importance of, of hosting pride nights uh, and for minor league baseball teams to, to actively participate in that. Can you tell me, you know, what, what your thinking is about that, why it's important for minor league baseball teams to host pride nights? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I I think being inclusive of all groups, you know, we have a the PayPal community celebration series, uh, and Pride Night is a part of that. We have All Abilities Night, you know, we have Diversity Night this year, where we're going to be paying tribute to Omaha's only Negro Leagues team, the Omaha Rockets from 1947-1948. Um, you know, we have Cancer Awareness Night and paying tribute to those that have fought or are fighting cancer. So. Pride Night is a part of that. Mm -hmm. uh, but to answer your question specifically, it's just about inclusivity. You know, and June 1st just happens to be the first day of, of Pride Month. Uh, and we happen to be home that night. And I think it's it's symbolic. But, you know, we also have a Pride Night uh, for Union Omaha Soccer. I believe that's June 24th, our, you know, our soccer professional soccer club that I, that I double as president on. So it's about it's about inclusivity. Uh, and, but I would say you know, we have faith and family night and we'll have a post game, you know, a Christian artist uh, Crowder's playing. So it's being something for all different groups, uh, you know, at, at the ballpark, you know, we have, we have, we have silver chasers, which is a senior group. Uh, they get tickets on Wednesdays and we have senior bingo. So, you know, trying to be something for everyone, whether it's for a night or for a month or for a season, I think is, I think it's important. You know, it's important to, you know, just like having star Wars night, it's important to do Marvel night. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, I'm not trying to, you know, put any less importance on pride night, but uh, it's being part of the community in which you represent. And there are, there are, there are people from all different groups that do make up each of our communities, not just Omaha, but all of our communities. Mm -hmm. And um, that's, that, that's the way I look at it. Uh, we're all different. Um, so why can't a baseball team or a soccer team be inclusive to all? Well, so just to, to close, I have to say, I really enjoyed, I've got a great picture of the two of us with me and my Omaha Storm Chasers helmet Sunday. You know, I, I collect the ice cream helmets. I got to tweet one for Jake Eisenberg uh, the next day when we were in Kansas City for uh, for a ball game, and he retweeted it because I know he was a big fan of uh, your Storm Chasers uh, ice cream helmets when he was a broadcaster there in Omaha, and now this year he's up with Kansas City, and he's still enjoying the ice cream helmets. I was glad to see that. But he is, yeah. Uh, and our new guy Nicholas Batters is is he's 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 taking that on a little bit as well. So it's it's yeah, it's it's good to see, and we're we're proud of Jake. You know at at 27, 28 years old, to be in the big leagues as a broadcaster, as a, as a lead radio broadcaster, it's a it's a big deal. We're proud of it. Well, it was it's it's been fun to to watch that process and to even though I didn't get to see him when I was at the game, I you know got to got to tweet at him and he tweeted back, so that that was fun. But it was great to share an ice cream helmet with you at the ball game. Thanks for being so welcoming of of our yeah. group and so supportive yeah. of everything that we're doing out here. I was just gonna say again, thank thanks for the support. You know, it's important. You know, whether you're supporting you know, the Omaha Storm Chasers or dare I say the Round Rock Express now, good, good oh friends, down, good friends down in Round Rock, but, or, you know, or any team from coast to coast, you know, um, uh, baseball fandom starts grassroots, whether it's T-ball, little league, coach pitch, kid pitch, high school ball, college, Juco college, minor league to major league, you know, it, it all matters. And we appreciate what you guys do specifically to support minor league baseball. Well, it's very much our pleasure. Marty, where can people go to find you online? Uh, Twitter, Omaha Prez, and Prez is P-R-E-Z, at okay. Omaha Prez, P-R-E-Z. Uh, LinkedIn's a good spot as well. Uh, and then Omaha Storm Chasers is Oma Storm Chasers, O-M-A Storm Chasers on Twitter. And then we're also on, on Facebook uh, and Instagram. So our, our, our team does a great job on Twitter and the other channels. So Follow us. You can learn all about our promotions. You can check out all of our cool alternate jerseys we have for the year. And there's a lot of them from the ghost ghost letter black uh, uh, Omaha alternates that we're wearing this year to the powders, to the runses, to uh, 
upcoming Marvel jerseys. There's, there's, there's a lot of great ones and uh, go check them out. All those alternate uh, brands made it a really treacherous adventure into the team store when we were there. <laughs> good. I mean, Dallas yeah. and, the team, and, and his team did a great job. That's good to know. They certainly did. I got a great dad hat and a great t-shirt. So it was, uh, I, I, I did okay. So Marty, thank you so much. Yep. Awesome. Thanks, Paul. All right, everyone. Welcome back. I am so pleased to be joined right now by the play-by-play announcer for the Omaha Storm Chasers, Nicholas Batters. Nicholas, how are you doing? Paul, I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, man, I am so fired up to be speaking to you. I'm speaking to you now a little bit after our trip to Omaha. It was my second trip to a Storm Chasers game. I'm just going to jump right into this because I don't want to bury the lead here. The Storm Chasers do an amazing ice cream helmet. You have, have carried on the tradition established by your predecessor, Jake Eisenberg, of tweeting regularly about ice cream helmets. At the time of this recording, you have just very recently re- tweeted about, and I got to make sure I'm getting this right here, the 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 flavor of the day. You you posted a picture of the ice cream helmet. The flavor of the day was the acai power berry. Tell me about the acai power berry ice cream. I'll tell you what, I butchered the name a little bit. In the time that it took for me to order my ice cream helmet and get back to the broadcast booth to post the tweet, I I messed up the the trio of words i had to go back and check the manufacturer's website uh, for I'm, I'm creating power rankings myself of all the ice cream flavors i've had this year it's technically super berry acai but it's still a berry acai ice cream that was fantastic it's the first time i've ever seen a flavor anything close to that at the ballpark here at warner park down the, the right field line it's our last concession stand towards the right field corner of the prime time ice cream stand I mean, the flavors are rotating every day. It is yeah. it is absolutely incredible. I started yeah. off the season with Superman and then went to Salted Caramel Bananas Foster. Holy there smokes. it was Orange Sherbert, Brookie Dough Blast, and then the Superberry Acai. I, it's going to be tough to, to pick a favorite or a least favorite. Everything's been fantastic so far, but Warner Park really does it right with the, the ice cream flavors that you can eat out of a mini helmet. The hard scooped ice cream. that I, I had the, what did I, I had like a, a vanilla like cherry it had like actual cherries in it and that was yes. that that's was really that's good. been on my radar for a while it's it's tough because i i think i i go into the day thinking that i know what i'm going to get and then there are two new flavors that i'm all of a sudden deciding between so that 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 vanilla cherry has been on my radar for a while and there are a couple of others that that keep sh- popping up every time I'm like oh, i'll get that next time because <laughs> there's just a a new like how can i'm a big sherbet guy i don't know how i oh, can yeah turned down orange sherbet and i think it's worth prefacing i absolutely am continuing a tradition that jake brought to omaha but i've been an ice cream helmet person as long as i've been going to baseball games my first baseball game in 2005 was an oakland a's game and i had to get an ice cream helmet and it's just something that i've done my entire life working up through pro ball as soon as i was working in leagues that had ice cream helmets and i could get an ice cream helmet i would do that and it, it just continued on with the naturals and uh, and now here with the storm chasers. So, do you have that collection on display somewhere? Do you uh, do you is it uh, you know can can you point to them? Is there and and do you know roughly how many you have? That's a fantastic question. I don't have a lot with me. I'm trying to think. I have yeah. a I have a box. I'm still slowly. I've only been on the job for less than six months, and I'm still unpacking. Believe it or not, but <laughs> I, I have that. every every helmet that I've acquired while working in professional baseball. I have in a box back in a, a storage closet here, so that's everything for me. It's mo- it's the Appalachian League, the Texas League, um, and I guess the the ones that I have from the the International League are here, like a St. Paul Saints, and I have a whole stack yeah. of Omaha Storm Chasers already. It's awesome, but, man. It's it has to be over fifty. There there was a there was a small portion of time in high school where I went on eBay and I was trying to buy ice cream helmets. Yeah, uh, but that that died off, and I mean I probably have helmets for. 20, including the eBay stuff, probably 20 major league teams and yeah. 10 to 15, maybe 20 minor league teams. It's a it's a slippery slope. Once you go it on is. eBay and, and there's like a whole community of people who are trading out there. I mean, like best to just, you know, have ice cream where you go and then enjoy it. But you OK, so you mentioned you we, we, we talked about the ice cream. That was important. I really wanted to address that because that's an important part of, I think, you know, the, a connection that you and I might have. But you've yeah. been in minor league baseball. You're just now assuming the mantle of AAA play-by-play announcer for the Omaha Storm Chasers. Congratulations on the promotion, Thank by you. the way. That's uh, very exciting. You were with the 
the Northwest Arkansas Naturals last year who have their own uh, awesome I think one of the biggest ice cream helmets I got, ever got was at a Naturals game. It Absolutely. Was, oh, it my was God. The serve, soft but... serve is double the size of the helmet itself. It's incredible. And it was like 98 degrees. And so it was like a, a race against time. Absolutely. But the, you know, I mean, one of the one of the things I love about the helmets is that they highlight these really fun logos that exist in minor league baseball. Right. Like so. Yeah. You know, obviously in, in Northwest Arkansas, you you all had the sort of Sasquatch logo uh, and, and then the very natural scene with the waterfall and the mountains yeah. and all that. And then you moved from there to the to a different kind of nature with the with the Storm Chasers logo yeah. itself. You know, as a broadcaster, how much does the team's identity affect how you approach sort of covering that team, right? Like if it's a really fun, wacky identity versus a, a more serious conservative identity, does that have any bearing at all on on you as a broadcaster? From, from the technical point of a broadcast, I don't know how much of an impact it has. I can absolutely appreciate that generally speaking, the teams that have the, and, and this isn't always true, but a lot of the teams that have some of the more outgoing nicknames, the more unique identities, have a more unique operation and just a, I, I shouldn't say a more fun atmosphere. I think of the Amarillo sad poodles getting to play at Amarillo last year yeah. and seeing how that community has absolutely embraced that team. And you, the team name was announced. Wasn't very popular online. I don't know mm-hmm, how many mm-hmm. people were excited. That the team in Amarillo was going to be called the, called the sod poodles, but now they're they're that community is fully around that team. There aren't many minor league markets where you see diehard fans of a minor <laughs> league team like getting caught up in the wins and losses. Right. That's the case in Amarillo. It is absolutely remarkable. And I know that's just one example. And there are some teams that have very traditional names and traditional operations that are very successful. But I think there's also a correlation many times between a team's identity and what they do at the ballpark. I think I know one person who cares about wins and losses at minor league baseball games. And that is Eric profit of the earned fun average podcast. He's the only person I know who like, he's a wind surge fan. He cares whether the Wichita wind surge win or lose. Everyone else I know is there for the, the atmosphere, the ice cream, the logos, the nicknames, the team store. I mean, just to be at a ball game. That to me is the, the minor league baseball experience. Speaking of minor league baseball experience, we were chatting a little bit about your, your path through the through the minors before we started recording here. So I would uh, I was going to try to recreate it and say, hey, here are the you know here are the teams that you've been with, but I'd I'd rather have you do it because it was a it sure. was a long and winding path uh, that you've you've seen some you you've seen some places in your day. I have, yeah. I'll try and give the best Sparknotes version that I can. But while I was it was in between my sophomore and junior years of college, I started out in independent baseball in the now defunct Pacific Association. I worked for the Sonoma Stompers. That was a league. Ever all the teams are within about an hour of each other. Half of them don't sell merchandise at their games because that's just too much cost up front. Uh, but that was a, a really fun summer. That was the summer of 2018. Then in between my junior and senior years, I went out. Uh, I got my foot into affiliated minor league baseball with the Elizabethan Twins in the Appalachian League, and that was a fantastic league to be in. Uh, I, from a logo standpoint, I love that all of the logos are just slight variations of their parent clubs. Uh, so you have the the E twins, the the Bluefield Blue Jays that has the the B and uh, the the Greenville Reds, the uh, the green the Cincinnati Reds mascot with the Coonskin cap. I mean, there's so many great logos that were in that league. Um, I went from there to I went out to Australia while I was a senior in college. I finished my degree online and worked in the Australian Baseball League with the Melbourne Aces for a year. Uh, I was supposed to go out to the Florida State League in 2020. But that did not happen. So I went back to Australia for a second season. And while I was out in Australia, I made some connections within the Kansas City Royals organization. And conveniently around that time, the Northwest Arkansas Natural set an opening for a broadcaster. So I kind of played email tag and then landed with Northwest Arkansas for the 2021 season. Had to basically I bought a plane ticket for the following weekend. I was still living in Australia in early April of 2021. Bought a plane ticket that next weekend, flew out to the the States, bought a car, drove from California to Arkansas, started with the Naturals, and then I was there for a couple of seasons, and I just I continued to build relationships within the organization, including with people like Jake. So when the Storm Chasers position opened, me being someone familiar with the organization, my dad's from Omaha, I have family yeah. ties here, it was kind of just a natural fit on both sides, and uh, I'm really happy to be here my first season. 
I want to ask you about, you know, beginning with the Storm Chasers here. But before I do, I just have to I have to ask about broadcasting baseball in Australia, because Australia has some fun logos, right? Like they've they've got some some interesting team names. And I know that they've gone through some changes and they you know, they went from six teams to eight teams, I guess. And there's one team that's like a Korean team, but they don't actually play in Korea. It's just a traveling only team. So the Australian Baseball League is kind of a bucket lister for me, right? Like to, to get out there and see some games. Were you broadcasting for the league in general or were you with a specific team? How did that work? Uh, the answer to that is yes. I did a little bit of both. I was okay. hired by the Melbourne Aces to be their, uh, one of their radio broadcasters. So the 2019-2020 the, the season, I broadcasted uh, Aces home games on radio with uh, one of my favorite people in the world, Ed Wyatt. Uh, he and I did all 20 Aces home games. And then I did a little bit of work for the league here or there, some youth tournaments, uh, a couple of TV games and when I went back for the 2020-21 season, I was again going to be doing games for the Aces. It was going to be on their their YouTube, their Facebook live streams. Yeah. And what we quickly discovered was that yes, COVID was fairly under control in the country of Australia, but with that, if there was a pop-up of cases, everything shut down. So yeah. right at the start of the season there was a, a pop-up of it, it it was probably like 30 cases or something. Yeah. And so basically everyone that was in Sydney could not leave and you couldn't go into Sydney yeah. uh, without risking a, a two-week quarantine period. And the, the lead broadcaster for the league, a, a great guy named Andrew Reynolds, who actually was one of my connections to Northwest Arkansas because he was an intern with the Naturals while he went to the University of Arkansas, which is just up the street from the ballpark. Um, but he, he is the lead broadcast. He was the lead broadcaster for the Australian Baseball League. And he lived in Sydney and he couldn't get out. So that afforded me what was a, a fantastic opportunity to fill in for him doing all the the national and what ended up being international telecasts for us, for the Australian Baseball League. Uh, it was probably ended up being close to 10 games that were on TV in Australia, but also on some of the regional sports networks back in the United States, like the NBC mm -hmm. regional sports networks, the, the AT&T networks, uh, because they were craving sports content and the Australian Baseball League was going on. So and that, that included the the league's championship game that year. Uh, both years that I was out there, the Aces won the league championship. So I have a couple of rings from that, which is really special. Um, but that that's a that's fun baseball. You have 18 year old Australians just starting out and 40 year old Americans that are <laughs> just clinging on to the, the love of the game. I mean, we had we had Delman Young on our team, Shane nice. Robinson, uh, Peter Moylan was our pitching coach, uh, Darren Downs, Brian Flynn, some uh major league baseball player names you hadn't thought of in a little while and and here they are playing for the aces that's awesome that sounds like an amazing experience anyhow okay so you're you're with the the storm chasers now obviously this is the highest level of baseball that you've you've broadcast you're back in in kind of your hometown uh you're still within the the kansas city royals organization how different is that experience for you? How much is it? Is it more pressure? Is it you know higher level? Is it harder to call a higher level of baseball, or is it easier to call a higher level of baseball? It's really funny, and I, I think it's worth prefacing. It's not supposed to happen like this. I know Jake has said this before. What happened with him going from AAA to the major leagues within the same organization is incredibly rare. He's probably yeah. one of two or three major league broadcasters that called games for that club's AAA affiliate before going to the major league club. Yeah. And it's just as rare, maybe if not a little more rare to have that jump from double A to triple A, because mm -hmm. all of these teams are operated essentially independently sure. uh, and make the hiring decisions on their own. So um, I mean, credit to the Omaha storm chasers, Lori Schlender and Marty Cordero for being willing to continue that, that lineage of allowing me to move up in the system. Yeah. But it's funny because opening day comes and these are all players that I've had the last couple of years in Northwest Arkansas, right? It's, I mean, whether it's an Angelo Castellano, a Diron Blanco, it is Tucker Bradley and, and CJ Alexander. It's all players that I know. And I got into this problem the first couple of weeks of the season of just accidentally letting naturals slip out oh. because I'm doing the same thing with the same players that I've been doing for the past two years. It feels exactly the same, just in a different ballpark. And yeah. it turns out the team has a different name. So uh, <laughs> that's that was, a, that was a little bit of an adjustment. And even uh, last week, the Memphis Redbirds are in town. And we saw Springfield, the Springfield Cardinals, more than just about any team yeah. with, with Northwest Arkansas the last couple of years. And Memphis, it was basically the Springfield <laughs> Cardinals in the last two years. And I definitely accidentally called them Springfield, but the Cardinals on air a couple of times. And, yeah. um, but it is it is just an absolute blast. It's 
it's fun to be able to continue forming relationships with these players, uh, with their families, the the wives, the girlfriends, the parents, um, the fans of the Kansas City Royals being able to uh, Royals Twitter is ridiculous in the best possible way. And, and they've really been so kind to me. So to be able to continue sharing the stories of these players with them, uh, it's it's just been the most incredible opportunity. I'm I'm so thankful to be here. It's I it maybe there should be more pressure on me. I'm not sure. I, I recognize <laughs> that I'm very young. I recognize I'm very young working at the highest level of minor league baseball, but it is it is just an absolute blast. Over the course of your minor league career, you have developed an appreciation for minor league baseball logos, nicknames. We'll agree to disagree on uh, the teams having their parent club names in the Appalachian League back in the day. I, I was glad to see all of those change and, uh, yeah. you know, to, to come up with some unique nicknames. But your assessment of the uh, the Storm Chasers brand, is it uh, is it one that is popular in minor league circuits? Is it one that, that you enjoy? I, I think it's fantastic. And part of it was the family connection, but I had owned... Storm Chasers gear back with the team rebranded from the Omaha Royals to the Storm Chasers. I bought yeah. gear just like that. And I, I had family living in Omaha and there was a little bit of the connection there. I honestly think that the Storm Chasers alternate logos are some of the best in the in the entire set. I think the Obolt logo is just fantastic because it combines the the, the O of Omaha with a, a lightning bolt that slightly ties into the Storm Chasers, the interlocking SC logo that still kind of gives that storm chasing vibe and adds some baseball stitches on top of the the uniform that's on is the powder blue uniform, which I think is one of the best in minor league baseball. Um, I think it, it's a very complete set and the, the home and road jerseys and the, the alternates all, all come together very well. But specifically, I just absolutely love the, the O-Bolt and the, the SC logos that we have. Yeah, I got. I ended up getting the the logo with the actual character on it uh, on, okay. a, on, on vortex, a dad hat. Yeah. But I do really like that O bolt one as well. That's uh, that is a great logo. Nicholas, thank you so much uh, for hopping on and chatting with me. I know that you're busy during the baseball season. Your Twitter is Batters Up, right? Batter Sorry. Up, B A D D E R U P Sports. Batter Up Sports on Twitter and Instagram. Batter Up Sports, but D's instead of T's. So, Nicholas, thank you so much. I can't wait to get back to a Storm Chasers game. It's a seven-hour drive uh, for me to to get there, and it's an easy seven-hour drive. It's like go to Wyoming and turn right. So it's uh, it's pretty easy for me to get there. So I hope to get out to another game, and perhaps we can share an ice cream helmet in uh, at, at a Storm Chasers game. Absolutely, Paul. Thanks for having me on, and look forward to seeing you back here at Warner Park soon. All right. Thanks, Nicholas. Take care. All right, everyone, very happy to be live and in a temporary studio in Section 102 of Kaufman Field with Eric Proffitt, who is the co-host of the Earned Fun Average podcast and a lifelong Kansas City Royals fan and therefore a follower of the Omaha Storm Chasers. Eric Proffitt, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Paul. I am so glad to finally have you on the podcast. You know, we, we hadn't exactly connected when I did the Wichita Wind Surge episode, and that was really the one I should have had you on because you are a, a season ticket holder, diehard fan of the Wichita Wind Surge. You care about how the games turn out. We've talked about this before. Before we get into the Storm Chasers, let's talk about your, your minor league baseball fandom. How is it that you're a minor league fan? What's your connection to the Wichita Wind Surge? So I was born and raised in Wichita, Kansas, and we've had minor league baseball in Wichita for many years. We had the Wichita Wranglers, who were the double-A of the Kansas City Royals when I was growing up in the 90s through 2007. But then they left to go to Northwest Arkansas to be the Naturals. Uh, for that time frame from 2008 to 2018, we had independent baseball with the Wichita Wingnuts, part of the American Association. Um, and then starting in, well, should have been 2020, but basically 2021 is we brought affiliated baseball back to Wichita. And so now we have the double A of the Minnesota Twins. So I'm a season ticket holder, year three of the team, and my third year with season ticket for the Wind Surge. With this podcast that you do, the Earn Fun Average, which if you don't listen to the Earn Fun Average, you should absolutely be listening to it. One of the most fun podcasts, Eric and his co-host, Johnny Bolin, do a really average job of bringing entertainment to, uh, to baseball fans everywhere. Uh, but as part of that podcast, you've talked with some designers and you've gotten into this, this, you know, it's hard to be a minor league baseball fan without being a fan of branding in minor league baseball. And so you've spoken with 
Todd Radom, you've spoken with Dan Simon, and you've spoken with front office personnel about branding itself. What is your attraction to the, the branding side, not just the outcome of the game? Because I know that you, you care what happens at the wind surge games, but you also care about the culture of minor league baseball, and branding's a big part of that. What's your interest in, in that? A lot of it's just fun and wacky logos. A lot of a lot of teams do alternate identities, such as food-based identities. Uh, some do like beer, like cerveza, some type of a drink identity. And it's just a lot of fun, you know. As everybody knows, you don't like teams that are called uh, the same as their parent club. And that's yeah. just kind of boring. Yeah. They have these unique identities, these vibrant colors, these kind of just wacky team names and logos, and it's just a lot of fun to to kind of get into that and kind of be more fans than that than just your basic you know, your Royals and everything else. Well, and so that brings us to your Omaha Storm Chasers. The, the AAA affiliate, the team in, in, in Omaha, has been affiliated with the Royals for a long time, since 1969. They were named the Royals. They were the Omaha Royals for a long time. It's just, uh, as I discovered this morning, about a three-hour drive from Omaha, uh, and not just Omaha, but Papillion, Nebraska, where yes. the, the Storm Chasers play, yeah. uh, out, outside of the city for sure. About a three-hour drive from there down here to, to Kansas City, which uh, Ranger Amy Burnett and I decided to do uh, on, on sort of a lark. They were the Golden Spikes for a little while. That was a sort of ill-fated disaster. We won't necessarily talk about that. They became the, the, the Storm Chasers in 2011 as a Royals fan, a lifelong Royals fan. What was the feeling in the fan base when when they adopted that that team name? Did it did it did it did it cause a ripple? I think a lot of people enjoyed it. So where I'm at in Kansas, and then of course in Nebraska, where the Storm Chasers play, obviously in Oklahoma as well, we're known as Tornado Alley. So kind of the logo and the design, we're known for a lot of storms, obviously coming through a lot of serious storms, tornadoes, that type of. Uh, activity, so I think a lot of people enjoyed it. You know, some people enjoy the oh, we're the affiliate of the Royals, so let's stay with that name. But you know, there's also a lot of people that want their own identity. So I think for the most part, everybody liked that they uh, changed the name and become the Storm Chasers, since it's kind of known for this area uh, of the U.S. Is that something that causes like any discomfort? Right, the idea of the the name. Oh, I was uh, I was a near miss. Oh, he's going to try to score. He is out by a lot. Oh, oh he dropped, dropped the ball. ball. Dropped the ball. Uh, well, he was safe. Uh, looked like he was going to be out by a lot, though. Wow. So, does that cause any discomfort at all when you look at you know the, the fact that these tornadoes come through and they cause real devastation, right? Is there any discomfort with the idea of you know a baseball team having this you know this sort of smiling, slightly menacing tornado with the baseball bat nose and you know this this sort of whimsical treatment of something? that you know could be really devastating to this area yeah i mean i think some people could see it take it that way but at the same time you know you're talking about a storm chaser someone that mm. goes out to actually see and try to detect when the storms are coming in and they help to protect people warn people that you know a tornado may be coming to seek shelter and so they kind of see patterns of how the storms are and you know how they're coming through and how they might affect the area but yeah i mean i could definitely see how some people may take it um, my brothers and I had a, a best, uh, you know, my oldest brother's best friend uh, we just celebrated May 3rd of 99 in Wichita. He had his house destroyed by a tornado. So oh, I can no. see how that could, depending on kind of your um, relation to it in a way, how that may not be the best. But overall, though, I think just the term storm chasers and the connotation of somebody out there trying to help protect you know, the community and make sure that everybody is, you know, well aware of the storms may be coming to take shelter, that type of thing, how that may not necessarily be a bad thing. Yeah, absolutely. I can see that. That's a great, that's a great twist on the logo, as it were. Hey, we got the, uh, we got the hot dog race going on here. Looks like the mini race. The yeah. Race the miniature ketchup, yeah. mustard, and relish. With the Yakety Sacks playing here, too. This is, uh-oh. Uh this is going to be a tight... Hot, hot, ketchup and mustard are, are neck and neck. Oh, oh no! Relish just fell. Relish went down. Yeah. Oh, they're racing to Relish's A. Oh, Relish's ketchup. ketchup. This is oh. this is the feel-good story of the year. Just finish it out. I want Relish to get a big round of applause just for finishing. 
There you go. Good job, Relish. Good job. Good job, Relish. So in that, they were little bitty younger kids, and yeah. so their uniform numbers were one half. So it's fun <laughs> to see that they're wearing the number one half since they're itty bitty kids running the race. So this episode has been part of a, of a really fun road trip. We're, uh, you know, we drove yesterday with Ed Rivera of the Dad Hat Chronicles from Fort Collins to to Omaha or Papillion. And then uh, you know made the last second decision to make this trip down here now. It's a beautiful Sunday afternoon. It's, it's warm, but we've got the breeze. We're sitting right in front of the fountain here at Coffin Stadium. So it's, you know, it's just like the ultimate baseball experience in this part of the country. Have you been to Omaha for, for, for many games? Yeah, I have. So you know, where, where I live in Wichita, we're about three hours south of Kansas City where the Royals play. But you can actually go a little bit different direction. As you mentioned, from Omaha to Kansas City, it was about three hours itself. But there's a direction that we can take straight north of Wichita where it only takes us a little over four hours to get to Omaha. So I actually went up in 2020 right as things were starting to open up a little bit. Oh, yeah. My son and I were doing a, a trip um, where we went to see the Kansas City Zoo just so we can do stuff like outdoors. Sure, sure. And the uh, Negro Leagues Baseball Museum had just opened back up. So we got a chance to go in there, but it was limited capacity. Well, then we also went up to the... Henry Dorley Zoo up in Omaha and while we were there we stopped up at Warner Park and obviously the teams weren't playing in 2020 but the uh, team store was actually open so we got to go in and got some souvenirs and then we went up last year we took my mom um, up to see the zoo in Omaha and then we went to a baseball game so Warner Park is fun uh, beautiful little ballpark, and they have a lot of great murals of the team, uh, different players that have played, like Salvador Perez, who hit a home run earlier this game and just had a single, just got over the second on a pass ball. So, yeah, I've been up to Omaha to see a game up there. It's a really fun ballpark. And, of course, they do have the ice cream helmets. Yes, they do. Uh, the little tornado logo that you have on your hat, they yep. have that on a, a, a blue helmet. So, That's obviously, I had to get one of those while I was there as well. With hard-scooped ice cream, too. It's yes, not, definitely. you know, none of this Dippin' Dots nonsense. <laughs> or, Well, Eric, it's so much fun to be here at a ball game with you. We've still got about half the game left to go. There's going to be more ice cream and helmets coming. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Oh, 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 oh. That was a great catch. Catch by the shortstop to the A's. That was super good. Uh, hey, this may be my last time seeing the A's as the Oakland A's here, too. So. That's right. They're probably going to be the Las Vegas A's. I, I don't know if they're going to keep the name Athletics, but, yeah, pretty soon they will be in Las Vegas. So this might be the last time we'll get to see them. Holy smokes. Well, Eric, this has been a ton of fun. Great to finally have you on the podcast. We'll do it again. And uh, looking forward to more ball games with you in the future. Awesome. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me, Paul. Earned Fun Average. Go watch it. Oh, Eric, where can people find you on uh, social media? I am personally on Twitter, epro04, and then follow Johnny and I, Earned Fun Average. Average is AVG. We're both on Instagram and Twitter. All right. Go follow the Earned Fun Average. Give it a listen. Rate, review, subscribe. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Paul. All right, everyone, it is time once again for Studio Simon Stumpers, my favorite segment on the Baseball by Design podcast with Dan Simon of Studio Simon, who brings us a trivia question every single week. Dan, we're talking about the Omaha Storm Chasers, uh, and this has been a sort of wild episode. It was part of a road trip that we took, and now it's time for our Studio Simon Stumper. Did you encounter any inclement weather um, when you were there? Storm Chasers is no. the name so it was it was sunshiny and beautiful uh the whole time i think maybe a little bit of rain like earlier in the day but certainly the games were not affected by any inclement weather uh and we had uh you know and and the the afternoon game in kansas city was was decidedly hot it was a great day for ice cream i'll say that okay so would you say the the weather then was clement <laughs> i guess it was clement rather than inclement yes exactly okay so um <laughs> You know, speaking of uh, clement and inclement weather, um, mm. when you think about it, and even if you don't think about it, there there were really surprisingly uh, not a lot of professional baseball teams with an inclement weather theme brand identity. And when I say surprisingly, I, I've got to actually, uh, you know, as I heard those words coming out, out of my mouth, I'm thinking maybe it's not surprising because it's it it's not that easy to to. Uh, depict mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
wind and rain and and other things like that you know yeah. um so, so you know maybe it's not surprising that there aren't a lot of teams like that so you know you you have the trenton thunder who yeah. um even though they're no longer an affiliated team they're now an mlb draft league team um and maybe to a lesser degree of inclemency uh the tri-city dust devils i don't know if that's so much inclement weather but it's basically kind of like a dust little dust tornado just made by the the wind pattern, you know, it's a, a circular wind pattern, but I don't know if that's really in, inclement weather. So, um, and then in independent ball, you've got the Frontier League's Windy City Thunderbolts, but okay. as far as I know, that's it. In What about in, the, what about the Lake Elsinore Storm? Oh, okay. There yeah. you go. Did you know that the, I learned this by talking to Eric Mertens uh, for my sportslogos.net article about the Tri-Cities Dust Devils. For 19 seasons before when they were a short season class A level team, they did not even own a tarp because the idea of getting rain during the baseball season was completely ludicrous. Like they were just never going to get rained out. So they did not own a tarp and did not have any rain outs for like 19 seasons. I don't know if they have since they became a full season team. Okay. Well, uh, it's good to have that kind of weather if you're a baseball team for sure. So with all of this in, in, in mind, here's today's studio, Simon Stemper. Okay. Okay. Um, and I hope this, the way I'm, I'm going to, to word this isn't too convoluted. Hopefully this is going to make sense. All right. Um, I got my notepad out. Okay. Now, first of all, be, this identity was created by, by Brandiose. So there's, there's a Brandiose theme in here. Um, and, and here's the question. The following three cities currently have professional baseball teams with identities developed by friends of the show, Brandiose and, and designers of, the, of this particular um, brand identity featured in this episode. The last professional baseball team to play in just one of these cities before the current team was one of the rare baseball clubs with an inclement weather themed identity. So was that city Amarillo, Worcester, or Tulsa? Amarillo, Worcester, or Tulsa? Meaning, and I just want to make sure I'm, I'm clear about this. Yeah. The, the last professional team to play in that city, mm-hmm. in, in, in this city, yeah. before the current team. Okay. Um, so so before. Weather identity. Amarillo, before. Worcester, or Tulsa? So before the sod poodles, was there an inclement weather team in Amarillo? Before the Woo Sox, was there one in Worcester? And then Tulsa, before the drillers, was there an inclement weather in Tulsa? So I don't know the answer. This is not one that I just know from, you know, knowledge of minor league baseball. So I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to work on it a little bit. I'm gonna eliminate Worcester. Because I don't know, it just doesn't seem like something they would do in 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 Massachusetts. Amarillo, seven hour drive from here. I still have not been to a Sod Poodles game. Amarillo is sort of out there in in like western Texas. Of of those three places, the place that I associate most with sort of scary weather is Tulsa, Oklahoma. And so I am going to lean on that initial impression and go with Tulsa, Oklahoma without actually knowing what the team would have been called. Okay. Well, your thinking there is is excellent as it always is because <laughs> there's something um, known as Tornado Alley. Yeah. Um, and it, it, that goes through a number of states all in that region, including both Texas where Amarillo is located and Tulsa, um, in Oklahoma, um, all part of Tornado Alley. So that would make a lot of sense. And for certain, the reason you eliminated Worcester is you certainly don't associate that type of weather with Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. But the answer is Worcester. Worcester. And let me tell you why that is. Okay. Uh, First of all, the, the, the team was the Worcester tornadoes and um i created that identity 
Um, they played in the independent Can-Am League okay. from 2005 to 2012. So it's it's not way in in distant history that. Right. Uh, so it's a fairly um, um, current. I don't know if I call it current, but it, it's uh, not deep history. It's of, it's, of this era. It's, um, and in their very first season, they won the inaugural Can-Am League Championship, sweeping okay. the Quebec Capitals. I believe that's the way you pronounce it. Three games to none. Um, a loss that the Capitals would avenge four years later when they beat the Tornadoes, three games to one in the League Championship Series. Um, but on August 31st, 2012, the club's charter was terminated okay. with the league citing, and I'm quoting, a slumping financial state, which included failure to pay for uniform cleaning. So <laughs> it, very, in, uh, ig, what, what's the word? Ig, ig, ignominious? Ignominious um, end to um, to their um, their existence. So now here's the reason for, for, the, for the name of the team. Yeah, this is what I was going to ask. On Tuesday, June 9th, 1953, there was a severe tornado in and around Worcester, Massachusetts. There were over 1,000 people injured, almost 100 killed. Um, it's one of the deadliest tornadoes in United States history and the deadliest ever to strike New England. 4,000 buildings were damaged or destroyed. Um, 10,000 people were left homeless. Um, and at, at the time, back in 1953, it was the costliest tornado ever recorded. So they did have a, um, a, a notable tornado. Now, what's interesting about this is, well, it's interesting just that you, we don't associate Massachusetts with tornadoes. Um, but so that's interesting thing, number one, but also interesting thing, number two, is that they named the team the Tornadoes because right. um, this was... Uh, a catastrophic event. People yeah. died. Yeah. And I remember saying to the team's GM, a, a, a gentleman named Mike Lieberman, um, why, why are you naming the team the Tornadoes? Um, it, it's not really a positive thing. And he said, we we want to celebrate the the team, the, the city's um, resilience in the face of adversity. So that was the reason um, whether it was a good reason or not, <laughs> I'll leave that up to to the listeners. Um, but that's that's the story behind the Worcester tornadoes. Again, one of the rare base, one of the rare times that a baseball team had a weather event as the theme for its brand identity. I always learn something new in studio, Simon Stumpers. Dan, thank you very much. Great to talk to you this morning. And uh, we'll see you next week for another Studio Simon Stumper. I'm looking forward to it. And in, in the meantime, I wish you um, a lot of clement weather. <laughs> and you. It's been very rainy here in Fort Collins. We'll see you soon, Dan. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.